This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, March 23rd. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, a big housing surprise. Hundreds come out to support school district. Telluride moves to extend noise curfew. And a mountain weather forecast. But first... A New Jersey man died on Monday while skiing at the Telluride Ski Resort. Benjamin Dubin was skiing in the Lift 10 area when he passed. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, Dubin's friend stated he was not feeling well, but wanted to get out and ski anyway. Dubin collapsed at the Mountainside Inn and Double Cabin Ski Run. Ski Patrol and Telluride EMS responded and attempted to resuscitate Dubin, but they were unsuccessful. He was 63 years old. The cause and manner of death are under investigation. The coroner's office notes Dubin was an avid skier with over 50 days in the year at various ski areas. He's survived by his sister, Allison, his children, Maxwell and Kyle, and his wife, Caridad. One hundred and five acres for more affordable housing are coming to the Telluride region. In a new collaborative project, the town of Telluride and San Miguel County are partnering to buy a parcel of land on Last Dollar Road. We are under contract currently on a parcel that is 105 acres, uh, just northwest of the Telluride Regional Airport. That's San Miguel County Manager Mike Bordonia. One of the reasons that we um, are investigating and, and trying to acquire this property is for uh, future deed-restricted affordable housing. We know that we're at a crisis stage currently and that land is only becoming more scarce in the region. And though this project isn't necessarily going to solve any of our short-term issues as a, as a county and as a region, we know that it's going to be an important aspect of addressing them in the future. The parcel sits on Last Dollar on Locals Loop, just before you drop down into Deep Creek. Here's Telluride Program Director Lance McDonald. It's um, at the, the highest point of the ridge, and it extends towards the, the runway to the south and west across that uh, small mesa at that location. McDonald says the project will be complementary to other housing projects within the region. He and Bordonia add the development will be a mix of housing in addition to land left for open space. We would be looking to do clustered residential development um, with, you know, hopefully mostly comprised of single-family duplex-type units. McDonald notes there is no development plan yet. It's still too early in the process. The town and county are currently moving through the steps to rezone the property and officially buy the land. If all goes well, McDonald says they could soon begin a development plan that would include utility and access plans and extensions. The process will last roughly a year. If all that goes smoothly, the governments could begin building on the land within the next several years. With that said, Bordonia notes they are trying to stay calm about the development. We're trying not to get too excited or to put the cart in front of the horse, uh, horse in front of the cart rather, because we, we know that there's there are processes for all of this and we want to ensure that we're doing things correctly and um, notifying and involving our community's input in these decisions. Still in a region where housing is the hottest of topics, 100 acres for affordable housing is a big housing surprise. 
From the outside, it might have looked like a huge concert or a famous speaker was about to take the stage. But no, hundreds of people gathered at the Palm Theater in Telluride Tuesday night for a different purpose. The Telluride R1 School District's monthly Board of Education meeting. And over 300 more joined on Zoom, largely to voice opposition to a letter of intent to file a claim against the district's liability insurance. Local resident Gabriella Mormon sent the letter to Superintendent John Pandolfo and the five board members earlier this month. Mormon says the six recipients have violated several federal and state laws. Breaches cited in the letter include violation of oath of office, conspiracy, deprivation of rights, extortion, fraud, racketeering, genocide, and treason. Mormon notes a bond claim may be filed against the school liability insurance unless several demands are met, including halting, quote, all forms of COVID-19 propaganda concerning how dangerous COVID is, halting all promotion of vaccine clinics, ensuring the board has, quote, no authority for future health-related policies, orders, or mandates, halting, quote, coercion and pushing of critical race theory and social-emotional learning, halting, quote, all promotion of gay, transgender clubs, information, and or LGBTQ agenda, halting, quote, all promotion, cooperation, collusion with the San Miguel Resource Center for social-emotional learning, mental health, sexual education, or any other purpose, and removing, quote, all obscene books and materials from the public school system immediately. According to Superintendent John Pandolfo, the district has no plans to comply with any of the demands. Though the letter was not on Tuesday's agenda, it came up throughout the meeting. During a student report, Telluride High School senior Lulu Pumiali spoke in favor of the school's gay-straight alliance, which she is the president of. Talking to students about sexual orientation and gender identity is crucial, and our Gay Street Alliance Club provides a safe and supportive environment for LGBTQ plus students and their allies, as well as resources for their mental health. Sophomore Cassidy Atherton voiced support for the San Miguel Resource Center. I am a privileged, upper-middle-class white person living in a relatively safe town. And I can say that one of the only things I feel most vulnerable to is my increased vulnerability to sexual violence due to my gender. San Miguel Resource Center and their lessons surrounding sexual assault and harassment, as well as being a part of the Peer Advocacy Club, makes me feel more comfortable in a school where I know sexual assault is a prevalent issue. When it came time for wider public comment, which lasted an hour and a half, everyone who spoke was against the letter. Wendy Jacobs Hampton has been in the community for about four decades. She says she is outraged. Outraged that our incredible volunteer school board has been directly threatened. Outraged that our administration has had to waste valuable time that should be spent running our schools while instead they are dealing with threats. Dr. Christine Mahoney is the medical director of primary care at the Telluride Regional Medical Center and has kids in the district. She stresses the importance of public health work in schools around issues such as bullying, COVID, and reproductive health. So to me, to ask our school board to dismantle this comprehensive and inclusive curriculum is essentially asking and encouraging our school board to support teen pregnancy, depression, suicide, substance use, a culture of abuse, and shame and hate. Gus Kenworthy is an Olympic athlete who graduated from Telluride High School and is gay. I find this to be an attack on not only my community of Telluride that I grew up in, but also my community of the LGBTQ community 
And if you attack one of us, you attack all of us. And that's what I'm seeing tonight with everyone turning out. And I just want to say thank you. August Earthtree is the vice president of the school's gay-straight alliance and is transgender. I recently came out last year, and I know that with the current threats upon the LGBT content and groups in our school, I would not have come out. And I fear that taking away that in our school will harm our school and its children. Witnessing parts of themselves being silenced is something you can never forget. Mormon was not at Tuesday's meeting, but wrote another letter that circulated through the crowd. In it, she says she is not anti-gay. She asks, quote, why do we not have a club at school that is based on heterosexual identity? And goes on, quote, the issue I have with gay clubs in schools is that it could create a predatory environment to the LGBTQ children in it. She adds she does not believe, quote, books with sexual content of any kind belong in schools, period, and invites anyone who disagrees to talk with her. Mormon goes on to stress the main reason for her letter of intent is questions about public health and educational requirements tied to federal COVID funds going to the school. In an emailed statement to KOTO, Mormon notes, quote, I would like to thank the community for your emails that recognize my letter of intent was out of concern for our children being required to comply with being masked, etc., and not the weaponized social issues. However, Pandolfo says, while there are limits around what the funds can be spent on, they do not come with those requirements. He notes the district does not think there is a high legal standing for them to be liable for the claims in the letter. All I can do, again, not as legal counsel, not as having seen something go through an entire process, is try to assure you know, our board members, who were very specifically and individually called out in this, and everyone in our community that, uh, you know, we are doing everything we should be doing and doing it to the best of our ability. Speaking at the end of public comment at Tuesday's meeting, Board of Education President Cheryl Miller stressed safety and noted some who agree with concerns in Mormon's letter have felt threatened. Let's be truly inclusive and we counter with information. We are an educational institution. Um, We work with research-based information, not opinion, and let's get better and include everybody. By the end of the meeting, several speakers said they felt it was one of the most impactful events they'd experienced in the local district. Music will soon ripple through the Box Canyon later into the night. On Tuesday, Telluride Town Council held a work session to discuss amending its noise ordinance to allow amplified music later and placing decibel limits on sound. When it comes to those decibel limits, council agrees the town needs more data in order to set an acceptable limit. But Mayor Delaney Young notes conducting a decibel study is no small task. It's very complicated and it costs a lot of money and it's weather dependent, it's humidity dependent, it's wind dependent, it's type of music dependent. We're in a box canyon and the walls also reverberate, the mountain walls reverberate sound. So it's not a cut and dry thing ever. Council also agrees spending tens of thousands of dollars on an official study isn't the best use of taxpayer dollars. Rather, council members supported the town administering its own decibel research and testing throughout the summer to gather more data, with the possibility of implementing a decibel limit for sound after the summer. Along with the volume of sound comes how long it can extend. 
Currently, amplified sound is prohibited in the town of Telluride after 9 p.m. daily. Council unanimously showed support for extending the noise curfew, but there was debate on the time it should be. Council member Mian Fee says it's a balance. The community has expanded and all of us that have lived here for a long time understand that and it has gotten more vital and it's amazing and wonderful in so many senses. But there are people that purchase their homes when there weren't venues next to them and, you know, they purchased they purchased in an area that was slightly quieter. And I think that we need to be able to to respect their desire to live their lives what, like, and balance it with our desire to be able to have, you know, that vitality going on, you know, for everybody else. But council member Jesse Ray Arguez thinks the ordinance should support music venues and community arts. I do realize the importance of respecting neighbors, but having been here for so long and seeing so many businesses, venues close because people are coming into the town and, and changing kind of the the tone or the you know, our arts and culture component of our community. Council member Geneva Shawnette also wants to see a permitting process for venues to apply to have music beyond the stated curfew. I do think it's appropriate for us to come up with some sort of exemption, you know, festival weekend permit or holiday permit for a business to apply for. Bluegrass, it's people are going late all over town. It seems silly that we shut down businesses that are trying to, you know, Utilize some of the people in town. In the end, council agreed to keep the noise curfew at 9 p.m. Sunday through Thursdays, with the curfew extending to 11 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays and some holidays. The curfew will apply to anyone or business within town limits and include both indoor and outdoor venues or events. Council also agreed to amend the penalties for violating the noise ordinance, moving them from criminal to civil. Council directed staff to draft an ordinance to amend the noise curfew. It will discuss and vote on the ordinance at a later meeting. A new music venue bar is coming to Telluride. This week, Telluride Town Council approved a tavern license for the Ride Lounge in the Roma building on Main Street. Todd Creel, owner of the Ride Lounge, has been running it as a private club during COVID, but notes he's excited to open the venue as a music and community space. You know, live music in Telluride is, um, it's pretty sparse. There aren't that many people that want to do music anymore. And I don't really want to do the late night thing, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of talented people here in Telluride that should be showcased. I think the town really needs a... uh, kind of a community room where other things can happen. It could be bingo, it could be, you know, Kodo night, whatever. But we've reached out to people and that's, I just want to breathe some life into the place. And uh, you can't really do music unless you can sell beer. Creel says in addition to libation, the Ride Lounge will work with Woodier to provide a full menu of food. In his application, Creel proposes the Ride Lounge will operate from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. with occasional events until 2 a.m. Rocks and the art that adorn them whisper from the past and speak into the future. If you ask author and adventurer Craig Childs, rock art has power that words cannot express. Childs is the author of Tracing Time. In the book, he sits with that power and bears witness to the rock art on the Colorado Plateau. Through conversations with elders, scholars, and friends familiar with the canyons, caves, and cliffs of the Southwest, the desert begins to sing. 
Tracing time places the ancient forms of communication in context, inviting readers to look and listen deeply to the landscape. Childs will hold a discussion and slideshow on his book as part of Saturday Night at the Livery in Norwood. The event will take place at the Livery on Saturday, March 26th at 7 p.m. Two movies with very different kinds of action are gracing the Nugget Theater. For the next few days, Jackass Forever is on the screen. The film of outrageous and often dangerous stunts and comedy is rated R, runs at just over 90 minutes, and starts nightly at 7 p.m. through this Thursday, March 24th. Then, on Friday, the caped crusader has his time on Colorado Avenue. The Batman features Robert Pattinson as the latest incarnation of Bruce Wayne and his heroic alter ego. At just under three hours, the film is rated PG-13 and runs nightly at the Nugget Theater at 7 p.m. until Thursday, April 7th. Boulder residents marked the first anniversary of the mass shooting at a King Supers grocery store on Tuesday. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, the 10 victims were honored at events all around the city. At the police station, officers wiped away tears as they listened to tributes for Eric Talley. Officer Talley was killed after rushing inside the store to save others. Louisville resident Ron Spaulding says he left the event thinking about Talley's heroism and counting his own blessings. We never know when our time is up. And let's be kind to each other. We need more love back in this country. Governor Jared Polis and city leaders spoke to dozens at a downtown tribute to the victims. Residents held signs saying Boulder Strong. Speakers also talked about the city's resiliency and comforted residents still grieving from the tragedy. I'm Scott Franz in Boulder. Elections for Colorado's 3rd Congressional District will be here before you know it. In anticipation of the hotly contested race, KVNF Radio talked with the candidates running to represent the Western Slope in Congress. Here's Gavin Dahl speaking with Democrat Dr. Debbie Burnett. Today, my guest is Debbie Burnett, who lives in Gunnison. She has several degrees, owns a veterinary care business, and has been a physical therapist at Cheyenne Regional Medical Center in Wyoming for the last decade. She and her husband have a 15-year-old daughter who is homeschooled, and she says she's been doing 20-plus hours per week, making calls and meeting voters since last year. Thanks for speaking with KVNF, Debbie, or should I call you Dr. Burnett? Either is fine. Debbie is fine. What do you think is the single most important issue facing the residents of the 3rd District? Honestly, I think it's climate, and that's what so many people tell me when when we talk. Climate change is here. We know that it is here. It is affecting every single aspect of our daily lives. I see it as the overarching issue because everything is tucked underneath that. Our infrastructure, water, obviously goes into climate. We've had so many massive wildfires that people talk about it that, oh, we have a wildfire year now, not a wildfire season. But I think that that's not even correct. I think we just need to say that our climate is changed. We need to accept that it has changed. It is here now and we need to go forward. How are we going to live with our new normal? What is a specific piece of signature legislation you want to author in Congress? 
you know, there are so many things that need to be addressed. Bottom line, we need a representative who is actually going to do something for the district, certainly not just, you know, tweet ridiculous things. Probably a signature piece of legislation would be enshrining our water protections, water rights, making sure that we are protecting Western Slope water, that it stays here. So much of our economy, our rural economy is based on having enough water, stable climate. So climate legislation. And can you talk about how you think our current Congress member, Lauren Boebert, is doing? Well, I guess if we were in high school and having an award for the meanest girl, I think maybe she'd probably rank high up there and the mean girl tweets and comments. Talking about legislation, I've seen nothing that is showing that she's promoting the needs of our district. It seems like she's just promoting herself, shouting out and interrupting President Biden's State of Union speech when he's speaking about cancer and veterans is, it's atrocious. Uh, That doesn't help us here. It doesn't address uh, affordable housing. It doesn't address access to affordable health care. It doesn't address our water issues. It doesn't address climate change that I just talked about. So how I feel about how she's doing is she hasn't done anything for the people of this district. Very self-serving. You know, um, one of the main reasons that I got into this race was because of January 6th. A couple of weeks, you know, the dust was settling after, after the events of that horrific day. And it was becoming apparent that Representative Boebert was on the side of the insurrectionists. And honestly, it, it was too much. It was just too much for me. And I sat up one night and I said, you know what? I can't, I can't just continue to tweet, hashtag do something. I need to do something. I, I can't keep yelling at the radio. I had promised my daughter I would stop swearing when Donald Trump was no longer in the White House. And then January 6th happens. It just, it became apparent that we need a representative who honors honors our constitution and doesn't take the side of those thugs and, and insurrectionists trying to overthrow a very free and fair election. So January 6th figures very prominently in my decision to jump into this race. At the same time, I am also tired of sitting by while rural Coloradans aren't being taken care of. Our needs are not being addressed. And, you know, my husband says to me when I asked him, you know, what he thought and if this was okay for the family to do this. And he said to me, you have to do this. You are my last hope that somebody will listen to us about how life is here out in rural Western Colorado. That's Dr. Debbie Burnett running for Colorado's third congressional district. Thanks for speaking with KVNF. Thank you. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 20 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Thursday should be sunny with a high in the mid-40s. Thursday night, expect clear skies with a low around 30 degrees. Friday calls for sunny skies with a high around 50 degrees. Friday night should be clear with a low around freezing. This has been the news for Wednesday, March 23rd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who donated to KOTO during our winter fun drive. 
A huge thank you to Julie Bain, Mark Frankman, Deb Dion, Randy Hayes, Carl Hanlon, Marissa Mattis, Steve and Michelle Hoish, Ascenzo Digiacomo, Deborah Harvey and Michael Ryder, Rebecca Ranta, Rick Simonson, Jim Loby, Andy Coville, Jonathan Harris, Kenny Johnson, Jim Looney, Helen Ballard, Debbie Adams, Bad Bob, Donna Caruso, Kristen Gould, Scott Hellman, Gretchen Coitz, Mary Woodland, Joni Tinker, Dylan Sloan, Brewster Shaw, Harrison Penn, Anna Zivian, Mark Charles, Todd Youngerman, Tiffany Osborne, Kim Montgomery, Sarah Landryu, Judah Cooper, and Jackie Arguelles. Thank you all so much. And now, a personal commentary. Hi, it's uh, George Greenbank again, uh, talking about this too big, too tall, alley covering housing project the town has going on Pacific. I hope you all saw the story polls last week. Uh, this week, on uh, the 24th at 6 o'clock, will be a PNZ meeting. And PNZ has to cover a few things, and I would encourage people to send letters or zoom in on the meeting. Uh, one of the issues they've got is the alley, of course, and if we would just leave the alley alone like all of the other historic blocks in Telluride have done, uh, we would be in good shape. But no, they want to cover the alley up, ending up with a building that's um, close to 200 feet long on one side and almost as big on the other. Three sides, four stories high. It's just wrong. Um, parking is another issue one of the neighbors brought up at the site walk. Uh, her condo is going to look right into a parking garage open and for, you know, 150 feet along the alley. And it's going to hold 20 628 cars. I left town the other morning, headed for Montrose. I passed 250 cars coming into town at 7 o'clock in the morning. Tell you right, has to recognize we've got a problem. And maybe PNC should stall this project and work on the parking ordinance a little bit. We're still requiring parking when we should be not allowing parking because that means more cars in town. Uh, we got to get on this. Um, you know, we're close to having a war on the planet Earth. And it's caused by oil. And it's important to the world that we still be able to produce grain. And it's important to the world that we still have our National Historic Landmark District. So I'm here to tell you we have to work as our democracy requires us to keep our historic district. So try to get to the meeting. Uh, let's act as a community. Let's build the right kind of housing. And uh, take a cruise down Pacific Street and look how important the alleys are. And those little north-south alleys really help our historic district. And I really want you to encourage our PNZ board on the 24th uh, to protect them. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you'd like to comment, please contact staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.